All right. So, Matt, I don't know if you know this, but there's an area right inside the front door of most homes where friends and family can, you know, take off their jackets and shoes and stuff like that. That's just yeah, yeah. that's just for your information. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I am awesome. Good deal. New year, and uh, I it, I love it. You yeah. know, I love it. Plus, January is my birthday month. So. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's my grandmother's as well, so uh, we're going to have to be getting her something here soon. Yeah. But she was born I mean, in... I'm in good company. She was born in 1940, so that's just like a year or two uh, uh, before you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> So on that note, uh, let Matt and I be the last to say Happy New Year to you guys. <laughs> yes, that's right. If anybody says it after this point, just tell them it's old hat now. It's it's not uh-huh. a new year that's anymore. Right. Uh, but we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that we're proud to be associated with that you may not find anywhere else. Uh, and I guarantee you're going to find something there that you like. So go check it out at podbelly.com. We also want to thank tonight's sponsor, HelloFresh, and we'll talk more about them coming up in the episode. Um, while you're on the internet and all that, go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales. You can sign up to become a patron and get bonus episodes. We try to do one a week, plus mm-hmm. every week we put out the recording of the main episodes for our $10 a month patrons, so they get to see the video versions of these right. episodes. and kind of see some of the outtakes and stuff like that, that I don't cut out of that video version. So go over there, patreon.com slash graveyard tales and get you some bonus stuff. Yeah. You get the video. You can actually see my black eye. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, no, Amanda did not, uh, did, did not clock me this time. Um, but let's just say that uh, Boone, my 95 pound bulldog doesn't like getting his nails clipped. <laughs> And apparently he's been he's gone to MMA classes. Uh, yeah. He I mean, whooped he up on that. <laughs> Golly. All right. So let's take a second and talk about this week's sponsor, HelloFresh. And you've heard us talk about HelloFresh before, but if you haven't, HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that they deliver farm fresh ingredients right to your door. So you don't have to go to the store and deal with the hassle of what do I want to make for dinner this week? What all do I need to buy? They send you everything you need. And you've got New Year's goals? Well, HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Like I said, you can skip the grocery store and you can take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh's festive fair collection features limited time recipes made with seasonal produce and premium proteins. You can get out of the post-holiday slump with these elevated winter classics. And that's a good point because you get in this routine during the holidays of, oh, I've got holiday leftovers or we cooked all this food. I don't want to go back to the store and have to figure out what I'm cooking for dinner tonight. So you order out. Well, HelloFresh is a great way to keep from ordering out and to kind of spice up your post-holiday meals. And they say you can skip the snowy schlep to the grocery store and stock up on snacks, size, desserts, and more at the HelloFresh market. Simply add these staples and sweets to your weekly order, and they'll arrive at your doorstep along with your meals. And we all want to save money this time of year, especially after you bought all the Christmas presents and all that kind of stuff. But did you know that HelloFresh helps you save money all year round? In fact, HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery store shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. 
So you can't get any better than that. And I know my family loves HelloFresh. We get real excited when we see the box show up on our doorstep. And it's like opening a Christmas gift any time of the year because you bring the box in and you open it up and you get these fresh ingredients that just came from the the farms to your doorstep and you open it up and hey cool this is what we're eating for dinner one of our favorites is the buffalo spiced crispy chicken cutlets with mashed potatoes and green beans and it's got this honey drizzle that you put over the the chicken so it's amazing you bread the chicken it's juicy chicken with a crispy outside and then you've got a sweet drizzle to kind of counteract some of the buffalo spices but we also like the Southwest beef cavatappi. It's got green peppers and a smoky red pepper crema. So if you like the flavor of Southwest food, it's kind of a mixture of the Southwest food and Italian food. It's great. So check those out or just check out any of the HelloFresh boxes and let them pick it for you. And all you've got to do is go to HelloFresh.com Graveyard 21 and use our code Graveyard 21, that's G R A V E Y A R D 21, and you'll get 21 free meals plus free shipping. Remember, that's HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard 21, and use our code Graveyard 21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. So, Matt, that's really all I've got other than to say, I'm so glad we're able to record because we've been having so, so many problems with our recording software. Oh, yeah. There's a gremlin or something. So (laughs) thank God we have other ways of doing this. So on that note, why don't you tell us, Matt, what are we talking about tonight, brother? All right. So one of my favorite movies of all time is Tombstone. Oh, mine too. Mine too. Uh, I mean, you know, that it just... I remember the first time I saw it in the theater and all of my friends, we were just like, this was amazing. Dude, there's lines from that movie that literally gives me chills. I get goosebumps (laughs) and I know I'm weird, but there's lines that he says that uh, Wyatt will say that'll give me chills. And Ashley and I quote it back and forth to each other all the time. But, you know, talking about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. We're going to take a look at Tombstone, Arizona, and Big Nose Kate's Saloon. And That's if, a flattering uh, name. I know, I know. And if, if you're not familiar with who Big Nose Kate uh, was, she was Doc Holliday's wife, lover, consort, however you want to put it. I, I think they may, I've read that they may have actually been married. Um. I don't remember her being in, um, in Tombstone. No, they didn't have her in but there. She is in the Wyatt Earp movie with Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um, and and what Dennis Quaid plays, uh, uh Doc Holliday in mm-hmm. that one. I think mm-hmm. if I remember right. But yeah, Big Nose Kate is in there. She introduces herself as Big Nose Kate. So now that you know who Big Nose Kate is. Now we're going to talk about the saloon that carries her name and just how haunted this place really is. It's really cool. Um, So as we always say, go check our sources down at the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we found this information. You can keep going because there is some stuff that I'm going to leave out um, in here just due to the sake of time. Uh, if if I were to go through every single bit of this, it would be a 14-hour episode, and Graveyard Tales does not do that. Um, so go check. <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we, we might get there one day. Uh, but go down to the bottom of the show notes and follow the sources, and, and you can find every everything that we are going to discuss. So Big Nose Kate's, like Matt said, it's located on 417 East Allen Street in Tombstone, Arizona. And Allen Street is the main street that runs through Tombstone. That's the street that had gunfights. And it's the, the street that has the OK Corral on it. it. Allen Street is the main street. And we'll get into all that. But first, we need to look at who Big Nose Kate was. And this comes from the saloon's historical documents. Because 
as we know, during that time, there was not a lot of information kept and what was kept got lost a lot of times in fires Mm -hmm. or theft or something. So there's not a whole lot of information outside of a couple sources. But uh, let's talk about it. She was born Mary Catherine Haroni in Hungary on November 7th of 1850. Now, Kate was the daughter of of a physician who had been appointed as the personal surgeon of Mexico's Emperor Maximilian in 1862. With the appointment, the family left Hungary for Mexico. But in 1865, Maximilian's rule crumbled. So the Haroni family fled the country and settled in Davenport, Iowa. You know what's crazy about this? If they went from Mexico to Iowa, why'd you go to (laughs) Iowa? Well, that. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and the fact that how in the heck did Maximilian recruit a surgeon from Hungary? Yeah. Yeah. In 1862. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, it, it wasn't what he, he Googled up, you know, best, <laughs> best surgeons in yeah. Europe. Yep. And he gets, you know, this guy's name and then somehow reaches out. I mean, how how long would this have taken for him to come to across this one. position? Yeah. yeah. And and then to get him to Mexico from Hungary at this time, I mean, he's got to get on a steamer, you know, he's got to be, you know, I'll come across the ocean. Plus he had to get to the coast. You know, yeah. there, like, there had to be, happen? there had to be some kind of connection where Maximilian already met somebody from Hungary and they said, Hey, we've got the perfect person for you and hooked it yeah, up that maybe. way. That's the only yeah. way that I can think of that it would happen. It's just checking Yelp reviews on yeah. he got, Hungarian surgeons. They got the, the white pages, Matt. Don't be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so on March 26th of 1865, when Kate was just 14 years old, her mother died. And just two months later, her father passed away too. So Kate and the rest of the children were placed into foster homes. Now in 1867, Kate was in the care of a man by the name of Otto Smith, but the young woman cut her stay with Smith short, stowing away on a steamship headed for St. Louis, Missouri. Though the ship's captain, a man named Fisher, found her, he did not put her off the ship, but rather allowed her to stay on to St. Louis. There, she assumed Fisher's name and enrolled in a convent school, which that's kind of cool because they would throw, I mean, they'd have to throw you off in the middle of the lake but or the river but still he he let her stay on and didn't didn't pitch her off there which i thought was cool yeah yeah so later kate married a dentist by the name of silas melvin and the couple had a child however both husband and child passed away in the same year so kate has had some bad luck with yeah loved ones passing away but during the time with medicine the way it was, yeah, it happened mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as uncommon as it is now for people yeah. to pass away young and stuff like that. So, you know, you you read stuff like this and you think, holy crap, a lot of people died in her family. But I mean, she probably was not alone by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Yeah, no. Now, by 1874, Kate was said to have been in Wichita, Kansas, and later she was working in a sporting house for Nellie Bessie Earp, the wife of James Earp. Though Kate always stated that she did not meet Wyatt Earp until she was in Fort Griffin, Texas, she and Wyatt Earp were in Wichita at the same time, and it has been speculated that she had a relationship with Wyatt at the time. We'll just say relationship in quotes, however you want to take that. (laughs) Relation. Yeah. (laughs) She had relations. Now, in 1875, she was going by the name Kate Elder and was listed as being in Dodge City, Kansas, working as a dance hall girl. A couple of years later, she moved south to Fort Griffin, Texas. She met Doc Holliday at John Shaughnessy's saloon where Holiday was dealing cards. By this time, Kate had earned the nickname Big Nose Kate. And while the, I, I've seen pictures of her, I don't know why they're calling her Big Nose Kate. I know. 
It's so odd. It looks like a normal nose. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, and you'd think they'd get big nose Wyatt, big nose Doc. (laughs) I mean, if we're if we're doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does. You know, there's nothing really all that big about it that I I see. No, maybe maybe I'm just not looking at the right pictures. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we're not getting a, a big enough profile or something like that. Now, while the dance hall girl and prostitute was attractive, she did have a prominent nose is what this says. I don't I, I don't see it, but whatever. Now, Kate was tough, stubborn, and with a temper that matched Doc Holliday's. She said she worked the business because she liked it, belonging to no man nor to any house. So she was independent. She was tough. Yeah. Yeah. And from everything I've read, Kate, she she was tough. She yeah. she was a tough. She could lady. hold her own. Yeah, I mean, you know, she you didn't you didn't mess with her. No, and and to be to get a legend or or however you want to say it back in those days, you had to be tough. I mean, everybody oh, was generally tough to live during that time, but to have stories told about how tough you were. You were you were a tough lady. Now, Kate would spend the next several years with Holiday, traveling to Kansas, Colorado, South Dakota, and New Mexico. Their relationship was often rocky, it said, with Kate still plying her trade as a prostitute from time to time. So let's skip ahead a little bit because we can get in the weeds here with what, what all she did with Doc Holiday and all that, but, but we need to skip ahead a little bit. So on March 15th, 1881, four masked men attempted a holdup on a stagecoach near uh, Contention, and in the attempt, they killed the stage driver and a passenger. Now, the cowboy faction of Tombstone immediately seized upon the opportunity and accused Doc Holliday of being one of the holdup men. The sheriff, who was investigating the holdup, found Kate on one of her drunken binges, still berating Doc for throwing her out. So they had gotten into an argument. Doc mm. threw her out. Well, she's now on a drunk, on a bender here, and mm. the sheriff found her. So feeding her yet even more whiskey, the sheriff persuaded her to sign an affidavit that Doc had been one of the masked highwaymen and had killed the stage driver. While Kate was sobering up, the Earps were rounding up witnesses who could verify Doc's whereabouts on the night in question. When Kate realized what she had done, She repudiated her statement and the charges were thrown out. But for Doc, this was the, quote, last straw for Kate. And giving her some money, he put her on a stage out of town. So he's like, our relationship is not working. You on a bender, you tried to have me hanged. So exactly right. If you try to get me hanged, I'm I'm, as that's it. Yeah, that's (laughs) literally the last straw because it was about my last straw. So, yeah. Now, in 1888, Kate married a blacksmith by the name of George M. Cummings, and the two moved to Bisbee, Arizona, only a few miles from Tombstone. And they also lived for a time in Pierce, Arizona. And in 1889, Kate left her husband and moved to the tiny railroad town of Cochise, Arizona, at the junction of the Arizona Eastern and Southern Pacific Railroads. John R. Raff hired Kate to work in his Cochise Hotel in 1899. Although the customers never knew her true identity, so they they didn't know exactly who she was, but they, she worked in that hotel. Now she left the Cochise Hotel in the summer of 1900 and moved in with a man named Howard from the mining town of Dos Cabezas. Now she lived with Howard until his death in 1930, inheriting his property. And in 1931, she wrote to the governor of Arizona, George W.P. Hunt, requesting admission to the Arizona Pioneers' home. Being foreign-born, she was not eligible for admission, but claiming she had been born in Davenport, Iowa, she was accepted to the home. Kate stayed at the Pioneers' home until her death on November 2nd, 1940. She was just five days shy of her 90th birthday when she passed. Man, that is unusual in and of itself. Yep. Um, people living into their 90s I- I around this time was not 
the, uh, you know, an everyday occurrence. Right. Right. I mean, in fact, I, I would say that people living into their nineties is probably something that we've seen more of in the last 20 to 30 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it, it definitely not, uh, around the time that Kate lived, you know, and die in 1940. I mean, even in 1940, you didn't come across people that were in their nineties that often. Right. Right. Now, as I said earlier, the saloon is on Allen street in tombstone. So let's briefly look at why Allen street is important. Now, Allen street was named for John B. Allen, John bracket pie Allen. Don't know how he got the nickname pie, but that was his nickname. <laughs> he had a big nose. Yeah, that was it. That was it. So, uh, John Pye Allen, uh, he lived from October 22nd, 1818 to June 13th, 1899. And he was an American prospector, businessman, and politician. Now, the street itself is full of history, like I was mentioning, having once been the main thoroughfare of Tombstone during the Boomtown days. So, it's seen plenty of sights in its time. And Allen Street became famous for being at the heart of the action during the time of the Old West. It, like I said, it saw plenty of gunfights and it continues to be the primary tourist destination for tourist and tombstone visitors. So if you go to Tombstone to visit, you're going to mostly be going up and down Allen Street to see the sights there. Um, Allen Street is home to plenty of the attractions, one of the most notable being the OK Corral, like I mentioned. And the OK Corral is the site, if you don't know, of the most famous gunfight of the Old West, which took place October 26, 1881. So let's look at the saloon real quick. Now, Big Nose Kate's saloon first got its start as the Grand Hotel, opening in September 9th of 1880. Now, the Grand Hotel was declared as one of the finest hotels in the state. The hotel was luxuriously furnished, provided thick carpeting, and its walls were adorned with costly oil paintings, providing 16 bedrooms, each with a, quote, view. They were fitted with solid walnut furnishings, toilet stands, fine fixtures, and wallpaper. The lobby was equipped with three chandeliers, big, elegant ones, and more luxurious furnishings. Now, while the kitchen boasted hot and cold running water and facilities to serve some 500 people in the span of a couple hours, which that's a that's a big deal for that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the hotel opened with an invitation only ball on September 9th, 1880. And during its first few years, the hotel often housed some of Tombstone's most famous residents, including Wyatt and Virgil Earp, Doc Holliday and the Clanton gang. When they came into town. In fact, Ike Clanton and the two McLowey brothers were registered guests the night before the famous OK Corral gunfight. Sadly, the Grand Hotel did not survive the devastating Tombstone, Arizona fire of May 25th, 1882. Above ground, the only things that remained standing were the seven arches that they had and the floor joist on the main level. The rest of the building collapsed into the basement. Today, the building is home to Big Nose Kate Saloon, which has been open since 1985. A number of changes have been made to the original structure since it burned down and has been rebuilt. The bar area that was originally housed in the basement of the old, old hotel is now located on the main level. In the basement, there's a gift shop, but the tunnel that leads to the mine shafts from this saloon it's still there it still exists mm -hmm. yeah we're uh, going to talk about that more yeah I, that that is a, a that's a cool thing and i i briefly saw some of <laughs> some of the stuff that goes on there so um but the saloon holds the grand hotel's original long bar so the only one of which survived the fire of 1882 and it's still available they say for thirsty patrons the other the only other long bar that survived the two infernos is in the birdcage theater which is now a museum, which we've talked about uh, mm -hmm. before. Real quick, this comes from a Sierra Vista Herald article on December 16th, 2016. It says, stepping into Big Nose Kate's saloon is truly to step back in time. From its authentic 1880s bar and wood floors to live entertainment and period-clad employees, 
Big Nose Cates offers patrons an Old West experience every time they walk through the front door. So I I really want to go to Big Nose Cates Saloon. We I've got to get to Tombstone, but when yeah, when I go, I, I want to go here. Yeah, I, I mean, just Tombstone itself would be a, a a cool place to visit. But and yeah, while you're there, you know, hit up Big Nose Cates. Sounds like a fun place. Yeah. Um, when you when you look at the pictures on their website, yeah, it's it's really cool. They did a great job of you know recreating that old west feel of what it you know could have looked like um back in uh back before the fire yeah yep but you know big nose kate saloon uh because of the history in the grand hotel and because we're talking about the old west and stuff happened all the time mm-hmm. you, know, you didn't you, you didn't you think somebody disrespected you somebody spit on your shoe or Somebody was hiding cards. You know, it wasn't anything for guns and knives to be brandished and, you know, people to be shot, even killed, you know, over simple argument. So when you have all that, it's no surprise that Big Nose Kate's Saloon has more than its share of spirits and paranormal activity. Oh, yeah. Now, among the collection of random cowboy spirits, and fancy ladies, the spirits of Wyatt and Virgil Earp, Doc Holliday, and Big Nose Kate herself have said to have made appearances. It's also suspected that some of the spirits are members of the Clantons and the McClarys, who were suddenly killed mm-hmm. <laughs> right there. Okay. I can I can see that. I yeah. I, I can honestly say, yeah, I mean, I, I bet they would be hanging around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, other appearances have been made by fleeting cowboy spirits, which have been seen at the bar, standing in doorways, and by one account, knocking over cases of beer in the basement. That's just rude. Yeah. Now, now one spirit is seen sitting at the bar in the basement wearing a long sleeve shirt. Maybe he was once a regular customer who... Love to come here after well, for his uh, after work drink, um, but the cowboys are m- most well known for regularly pulling pranks, and female employees seem to be their most frequent target. So in this in this one story, um, an unseen male present likes to pinch the waitresses, <laughs> mm. or he'll pull on their bows. And he hides their pen. He also likes to playfully push female employees on the lower part of the staircase. That's which dangerous. leads that leads to the basement. And he also likes to call their name. So this this particular spirit or or multiple male spirits love to kind of pick and poke at the female employees and and they have a they have lots of stories about little things that happen to just the female hmm. uh staff. That's kind of neat. Not but, not neat that it's happening just to the females, but neat that they have so many experiences. Right. Um, now, there is another male spirit that seems to be protective of the female employees like um He's been described as a spectral bouncer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Maybe he was once a lawman uh, who now just hangs around and steps in when he's needed. It's even been suggested that this could be the spirit of of Morgan or Doc Holliday or even Virgil Earp. Yeah. Now, it's interesting to point out that the spirit of Virgil Earp is actually often seen across the street at the Crystal Palace Saloon and maybe to once again be a lawman after having quit being a sheriff while alive because of disability suffered from a street ambush that he just might walk across the street to Big Nose Kate's Saloon and keep an eye on all the rowdy living and spirits mm-hmm. that reside there. Now, one female employee Noticed two men who had done who had had 
a little too much to drink and they were bothering some other customers. So she decided to go over and ask them to leave. Now, as she was standing in front of them, she felt the strong pressure of an unseen male's presence hand on her shoulder. The story says that the drunks looked at the spot above her shoulder, seeing someone who wasn't visible to the woman and left quickly. Oh, wow. So this one apparently made himself visible to these drunk patrons. Mm -hmm. And uh, they decided that it was time to vominos. Get out. (laughs) Now, other witnesses have claimed to have heard phantom people singing and talking in deserted rooms. They've reported that things fall, uh, fall to the floor of their own accord and that doors open and close with unseen hands, lights turn on and off by themselves, and silverware has been known to go flying off of tables. Oh, wow. Yeah. You'd hate to be sitting there having a beer and, you know, get forked. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say take a fork to the back of the head or something. <laughs> Now, the mannequins on the false balcony have seemingly been moved and sometimes even thrown off the balcony. Hmm. So in the in Big Nose Kate's, they've got some um, these these mannequins dressed in period clothing. Um, you know, they're up away from everything. You know, there's a there's a an artificial balcony that's just kind of part of the the motif and the, in the, in the scene. And there's two mannequins up there. Okay. Now they have, they have been seen to move or, or it looks like they're in a different position than they were previously. Um, and maybe even it's something done that they just, it's these cowboy spirits playing pranks and doing weird things. That's, that's weird. So this story about these mannequins is pretty cool. So it was after hours and the owner, his brother and some friends were sitting around a table when the female mannequin just suddenly took a header off the balcony and landed (laughs) on the floor below. (laughs) Then that would freak me out. Okay. Yeah. And if that wasn't enough, they said the male mannequin turned its head. What? <laughs> so so you're sitting there with all your buddies and you're having a good time and the one of the mannequins comes flying off this balcony and lands on the floor. That startles you. You look up like did somebody throw it and then the male mannequin turns its head <laughs> yeah, looking looking toward the other mannequin like why did you do that? Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? Where'd you go? Yeah, they said they they left uh, pretty quickly. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can <laughs> understand that. Scared the bejesus out of them. Yeah. Now, I, I want to say I would stick around and try to figure out what was going on and see if I can get something else to happen. But I don't know. My cowardly lion may get the best of me, and I'd go right out the door. Well, you know, seeing the mannequin head move, that would be enough. Yeah. You know. The th- the mannequin falling off would be enough to scare you and make you go, what in the world? You know, what what would have caused that? But then seeing that thing move, yeah, I would mm-hmm. I would have been out. Been it's like, like a, a like a big doll, and yeah. it's now come to life. <laughs> yeah, that's what Adam did. Mm. A big doll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people people have also reported the sound of footsteps. And muted voices are often heard coming from the basement when no one is down there. Now, areas in the saloon also experience extreme cold spots and gusts of cold air. Now, various items and objects have shown a tendency to move around the building by themselves. They show up in different places uh, or they're they're out of place. They're somewhere that they have... it. it, it there's no reason for it to be there. Nobody right. would have put it there. But glasses on the bar and tables have been known to move by themselves. Doors and cupboards open by themselves. Trash can lids lift themselves off the cans, drop to the floor, 
and roll around by themselves. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, these all sound kind of like a prankster spirit. Yeah, it does. Or, or spirits. You know, it, it, none of this really seems all that uh, uh, ominous. You know, it, it is kind of creepy that it happens, but uh, it just seems like some spirits having fun with the living. Yeah. Yep. It, it's, it is basically like you've got some drunk cowboy spirits and they're like, Hey, watch me do this. I'm going to, I'm going to freak this guy out. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? I mean, would that just not be great to think oh, yeah. there's spirits that are sitting around watching the living going, yeah, we're going to mess with them. Mm-hmm. Let's wait till he gets a few shots in him. Then I'm going to go over there and like tickle his bum or something. And Let's move this mannequin head and they'll <laughs> watch him scream. This will freak him out. So photographers have also made numerous reports of strange, hazy forms that appear in their images, as well as having numerous camera malfunctions. Now, one not so nice spirit puts its, quote, clammy hands around a female employee's neck for a moment. Ah. That has only been reported once. Oh, so good. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about how they don't seem like they're all that malicious, but this would have been really, really terrifying. That uh, could have been like a transient, like a transient spirit yeah. or something. Yeah. Not not one that stays at Big Nose Kate's. Yeah, or 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 somebody in there that was actively talking about how this place isn't haunted, you know. Mm-hmm. You know that, that tends to to spark up some activity at, at some place. Or they did it, and Virgil Earp Spirit said, mm. I'm going to handle this, and then they've just never done it again. Right. So playful touching does happen. Tugging on clothing. Yeah, it does. Oh. <laughs> never mind. Sorry. <laughs> now, you know, Big Nose Kate was a prostitute. Um. But no, that people have reported their clothes being tugged on, feeling something brush against them, uh, and and taps on the shoulder. Now, there's also uh, a nicely dressed female spirit that some people have said is most likely the spirit of Big Nose Kate herself or one of her female guests. Now, this spirit is dressed in 1880s attire. She wears shoulder-length ringlets and likes to hold a parasol. She's been spotted enjoying the musical entertainment from the balcony seats. Now, remember, they've got shows and everything here, too, just making it as authentic as they can. Um, So, yeah, often when there's there's a performance going on, this spirit can be seen uh, enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. Now, all of these are pretty cool. And the fact that there's so much activity makes it even cooler to me. But Big Nose Kate Saloon is known for one spirit in particular. And it's known as the Swamper. Okay? Yep. Yep. Now, the legend of the Swamper goes like this. When Big Nose Kate Saloon was still the Grand Hotel, there was a fellow working there as a janitor, and he also was the odd job guy. And he was known as the Swamper. He was a trusted and honest worker who was given his accommodations as part of his hard-earned pay. The Swamper had his own special bedroom located in the dark basement of the hotel. It was his own special private haven where he can enjoy peace and solitude away from the hustle and bustle of the hotel's many guests. Within his private domain, where no guest was invited, he also kept his secret passion for silver. The basement was far enough below the surface of the ground to afford entrance into the catacomb mine shafts that ran underground beneath the hotel, as well as through most of Tombstone. The Swamper spent many painstaking hours over a period of years tunneling an entrance into the mine shaft. When the digging was completed, 
he could gain access to a thick vein of silver where he mined ounce by ounce the glorious silver nuggets. This mine entrance is still a prominent feature of Big Nose Kate's saloon's basement, as Adam mentioned earlier. Now, it is still unknown if the swamper spent his silver or if he hoarded it in an unknown uh, hidey hole on the premises of the Grand Hotel. However, several workers of the now Big Nose Kate Saloon will swear that they have seen a ghost wandering the halls and the stairs. Photographers have caught the ghostly image of an unknown being in a photo as well as on the postcard of the saloon's interior. Now, it has been reasoned that this ghost is indeed the swamper and that his afterlife is being spent protecting the silver that may perhaps still be buried somewhere in the legendary building. That makes sense. Yeah. Some testify that the swamper found his treasure but didn't know how to sneak it out of his hidey hole. Relocating the cache would have involved walking past the downstairs bar and the upstairs hotel. His secrecy would be jeopardized. He'd have to keep his treasures in his tunnels where locals say they remain today. Now, this spirit, called Felix by the staff, uh, is dressed in 1880s attire and is seen wandering around the halls and rooms of the building while keeping an eye on his silver. He pokes or tugs at young men who come into his areas in the basement because he feels threatened by them. Swamper also seems to take pleasure in making messes for the establishment. He's the first suspect whenever objects are misplaced or spontaneously combust. Hmm. He's sometimes spotted in the staircase, but more frequently in the basement. Now, one story tells of the building's owner and several employees exploring the old Swamper's Tunnel. They soon discovered that it still led all the way to the old mine shafts of the Tough Nut Mine. That's just cool. Now, safely, they made their way back to the basement, but as they approached Swamper's Tunnel, they heard a loud moaning sound and heavy footsteps coming down the stairs leading to the tunnel. Now, they were sure that someone had come into the building. They came out of the tunnel and immediately searched the premises only to find the building empty and the doors still locked. Hmm. So maybe, just maybe, uh, the Swamper was afraid that they were actually going to find his silver. Now, we see a lot of legends and we hear a lot of haunted stories, but rarely do you get such a fantastic legend and the hauntings that support it so well. I mean, the fact that, you know, this guy, this guy existed. He was real. There's really a tunnel that was dug from the basement of the Big Nose Kate Saloon or the Grand Hotel at the time into the Tough Nut Mine, into an actual silver mine. Right. Okay. So there's evidence that all of that happened. And that this guy, this is where he lived. But to have this spirit that routinely does these things when people are around the entrance of the tunnel, when people are, you know, in the basement, you know, you get over there and all of a sudden this activity starts up. That is really cool mm -hmm. because it really does sound like there's, there's a spirit down there protecting that silver. Right, right. And wouldn't it be just incredible if that if 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 at some point in time they found all that silver and it was, you know, where he had hidden it away? I think though if they did that you would probably get a big uptick in activity mm -hmm. after that and it may become malevolent activity cuz you Good. stole his silver. Good. Um if and, it if it is still him still there protecting his silver. Yeah, and um, you know, it, I I kind of thought maybe the spirit is attached to the silver. Sure, you know, maybe it's not the location, 
but maybe the silver drove him so much in life that it continues to drive him in death. And that if, if the silver was indeed found, either like Adam said, um, the there would be a huge uptick in activity, or maybe the activity would stop completely. That's true. And it could. Um, or whoever takes the silver, has the silver in their possession, might find themselves with an attachment. Ah, that and that's true too. You know, can you imagine, you know, sell all that silver and or you take it home with you or you grab you a souvenir and you're like, Yeah, I'm gonna put this in my pocket. Next thing you know, stuff starts happening at your house. And right. We've heard right. plenty of stories of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, buy your souvenirs when you visit this place. Don't snag anything. That's that's never a good idea, you know, to take home something from a, a, a reportedly haunted location. Yeah, just, no kidding. Might as well just invite them, you know, go get your Ouija board and sit down and have a party because you're fixing to unleash some crap in your own house. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I because I, I, I enjoy the stories of Wyatt and Virgil Earp um, because, you know, Doc Holliday, it was such a, a polarizing figure and because he was played so beautifully by Val Kilmer, you know, and Dennis Quaid, there's, there's just some romance, you know, ab- about him, you know, and so it's always attracted me to, you know, the old West and, and, and especially Tombstone. So researching this was was a lot of fun. But as much activity is reported, especially by uh, by the staff, you got to think there's there's some stuff going on there. Yeah. And it would be it would be an interesting place to uh, do like a paranormal investigation, which I would imagine I didn't find a lot of of investigation material there because it's an active business. Right. Um, right. you know, and, and now it's a big tourist place. So they're probably not going to be too keen on just shutting things down for a week to let, Mm -hmm. uh, an investigative team come in and, and, and and try to show some evidence. I I think they probably feel like we've got all the evidence we need. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with the stuff that happens here so often. And I can, I can really see that area being very active just because of its history. Mm-hmm. The Allen Street, it you know there was a lot of bloodshed on Allen Street. Even if you don't count the OK Corral, I'm sure I, there were gunfights daily or uh, at the least weekly. Yeah. And... You know, in all of these saloons, hotels, there were gunfights that started in them. Mm-hmm. People were shot and killed in them. So if if it still holds true that the more negative energies that have gone on in a place mm-hmm. will keep spirits there or or attract spirits to that area, then this would be the perfect place. All of Tombstone, really. but. Yeah. Big Nose Kate's in particular, it'd be the perfect place for them to hang around and keep showing themselves. Yeah. And, you know, being above that, you know, the underneath the entire town is this mine. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, we, we've talked about how dangerous mining was. It yep. still is. Um, but how much more dangerous it was then and how many miners lost their life in tragic accidents. You know, you're having that all happening right underground under the, under the whole town. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably adds a little bit more energy to everything else that goes on. And what, what would the, the minerals and the silver under, under the ground there yeah. cause? Cause right. we've seen, you know, crystals and, minerals and and everything can amplify mm-hmm. or it's been said to amplify spirit activity or dampen spirit activity depending on the crystal if you, you believe in that stuff yeah and it's there there's got to be other minerals in these mines than just silver oh yeah so 
what else in there could be acting as a natural battery for spirit activity. Yeah. I mean, you'd imagine, and, and, you know, spirit, uh, spirit silver has some pretty unique qualities in and Mm -hmm. of itself. Um, you know, you add an underground spring or something like that, you know, some moving water. Um, yeah, you, you could, you could just be creating a, a big battery for paranormal energy. Right. Uh, which I think is it's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, maybe some of you guys have been to Tombstone and and maybe you've even seen Big Nose Kate's saloon. Uh, we would love to hear about it, especially mm-hmm. if you if you had any kind of uh experience or were told some kind of you know really cool story by one of the employees. Let us know. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Uh go on Facebook, search Graveyard Tales, you'll find the group. Um thousands of members extraordinarily active every day great stories it's a safe place nobody's gonna call you a crackpot or a loony everybody just wants to hear these really cool stories uh and then when you're done there you can slide over to our website which is graveyardpodcast.com and there you can find links to purchase graveyard tells merchandise you can listen to the show and you can become a patron as adam mentioned at the beginning uh, we have a, a large catalog of bonus episodes. Um, and for our higher level patrons, you get the video of us, which is not all cut up. So you get to see all of our flubs and retakes and messing with one another while we record. Uh, so it's just a, a little bit extra. We'd like to give back for the folks that have donated to the show. Uh-huh. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It brings us up the charts, but it just makes the graveyard easier to find. So, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.